0: Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment.
1: Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. With me today, I have Dr. Carlene Crevacore, and here's a bit about Dr. Carlene. She is Haitian-American retired board-certified OBGYN. After several years of medical services in New York and Pennsylvania, Dr. Crevacore gave up her career to raise and homeschool her five African-American children. Her homeschool journey is told in her new memoir, Pressure Makes Diamonds. From Homeschooling to the Ivy League, a Parenting Story. Carlene tells an honest story about educating her children while dealing with racism, Haiti's 2010 earthquake, and her battle with stage 5 colon cancer. So without further ado, I want to welcome Dr. Carlene Krevichor to GEMS Podcast, where we're going to be unpacking all things educational, whether we go into OBGYN, learning about cancer, or just homeschooling and making sure we set our children up for success.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction, and thank you so much for having me.
1: My pleasure. And Dr. Carlene, I know your bio was short and sweet to the point, but what is a fun fact that you want the listeners and viewers to know
2: about you? Um, That's... (laughs) What an interesting way. I did a half marathon um, about a year ago. And I did that actually because the doctors thought that my cancer came back. And when I saw my scans, it was like, I'm not beating this. So they thought it was either that or sarcoidosis. And so they had to put me on steroids for four months. And running a half marathon was always on my bucket list. And I figured, you know what? Let me do this now because. I don't know if I'm going to survive this. And if I'm going to get more chemo, at least maybe I'll be strong enough for the chemo. So either way, I thought it would be a win-win situation. And so I just signed up for it and I did it. And the furthest I've ever ran before was three miles. So to just train. So I had about a month and a half to train for the half marathon and I did it. I finished it and I was happy. So, and my results came negative. So I was happy on both fronts.
1: Congratulations. That is incredible because I don't even know if I can run uh, half a marathon, but let me not put the word impossible on that because I also know the word impossible. You could break it apart and say I'm possible and congratulations on your um, negative results because that was a double win. And here we are sitting today chatting and I'm so proud of you based on all the things that you have acquired, because whenever I was looking at your bio, I was like, oh, wow, this is so impressive. It's like I'm talking to a lady that is legendary. So I want you to walk us through um, the life of being a medical provider, then also stopping your career to really raise your children because with you being from a Caribbean background, we all know there's certain stereotypes and stigmas that come and people are like, oh, you go, to, you go to school, you get a good job, you have a career. But then whenever you do something that's off the beaten path to do something for your personal self and your desires and the family that you're raising, sometimes they could see you in a different light. So when you stop your career, Did you have any backlash from your family or did you just say, this is the best thing for me to do in this season of my life?
2: Oh, I got a lot of backlash from my family and friends. And even now they're saying you're giving up your career. You worked so hard for it, all the expense, everything. And, but it was something that I had to do. I didn't have any family in the, in the area. I didn't plan. I didn't plan on quitting my job. I didn't plan on homeschooling my kids. These came secondary, but we had so much trouble as raising five kids in central Pennsylvania, not having any family there, having babysitters call in sick. And then you have to reschedule. You know, I had patients schedule for hysterectomies or C-sections or, and now I can't go because I don't have a babysitter. And my husband, who's also a physician, it never kind of fell on him. It always fell on me. He's an anesthesiologist. And so If you want to know, when we had emergencies, it occurred when I was in my office and sometimes I took my kids with me to work and put them in my office. Other times it was impossible. So we've had that dilemma. And then um, one of my kids was injured by a babysitter. And that's when we realized that this can't go on anymore Um, between my husband and I, our call schedule, our vacation schedule, trying to correlate them together getting my mom over mom, I need you to fly. And we had to fly her once, you know, like the mom, I need you because my babysitter just quit. And I am going to be so busy this week. And she had to fly in from Florida, the moment's notice to help us. And we know we couldn't keep doing this. So I figured that I'll stop working. My husband said, one of us has to, and we all knew who that would be. I'm the one that wanted the five kids. And so I said, fine, you know, but yes, I did get a lot of pushback on that. You know, can't you find an au pair? Can't you do something? And I said, not only is it crazy, our work schedule was so crazy. I, I was never where I was supposed to be. When I went to be with my kids, I was thinking of my patients. When I was thinking of my patients, I wanted to be with my kids. It was really uh, a struggle. So um, so that question is a really good question because I did get pulled back by that. And I felt like I was kind of letting my family down, especially my parents, because in a way, you know, we help our parents. They don't have 401ks in a way. When you have money and you're employed you want to help them and I figured if I stop working you know I really can't help them as much but my responsibility was to my kids I decided to have five kids and I was responsible for them and that was the beginning and end of it and so um and that was one of the best decisions that I have ever made in my life I was very I'm so very happy of that decision
1: And I commend you for that. And the reason why I asked that question is because sometimes people see doctors in the white coat, they see you living a certain lifestyle, but they don't know what's going on behind the scenes, that you are a human being just like them. And even though you wear the white coat in front of them, when you get home, you take off that white coat, and you're either the superhero, the super human, the project manager of your home, the CEO of your family, and you have so many things that go on. And sometimes that could affect you mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, because you're juggling so many different things. And it's important that we talk about this and we go behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. And then we also segue to educate. And that's what you've done. Because even though you stopped your career, you went into teaching your children full-time homeschooling and then now you're also doing another segue where you're building a foundation and leaving a legacy because you penned a memoir where you talked about the things that you've experienced in your life so let's really open up Pandora's box here and talk about education because education is more than just schooling because there are people who are book smart there are also people who are street smart but are they any different
2: I love that about education and I think again you nailed it because I've always told my kids education happens all around you you know it's not just in from nine to three in the brick and mortar place it's all around you so one thing in my book that I make sure I try to stress and when I mentioned the Haiti earthquake I was devastated because there was distant relative of mine that was still in Haiti and so It's how do you pick up and teach chemistry? You know, like this just happened. 9-11 just happened. How do you just pick up and just teach, you know, math? Well, you do that by relating to your kids what happened, why you're devastated, and what we could learn from that. You know, every moment in life, either it's a good, a happy occasion or sad occasions, it's a learning opportunity. And you shouldn't shield kids away from that. And a lot of that, they want to know you know, they see it happening and they want to ask, they want to know, and you can't lie to them. And I've always told my kids, I will always, always, always try my best to tell you the truth. And if I don't know the answer, we will find it together. And, you know, the first time with my kids say, mom, you don't know, I said, no, I don't know. You know, like I'm not a superhuman, you know, they always think you are. And it's, it's a good thing when they think that mom is so (laughs) smart when they start growing up and realizing hey mom doesn't know this and I said yeah it's it's okay that mom doesn't know this because now you're at the point in your life where you could kind of find the answer and I don't think kids always like to be spoon-fed you know and when they when they realize hey yeah I could find the answer to this it's like an empowerment, you know, and then they'll come back. And I said, you know, Joey, did you find the answer to this or what that you asked yesterday? And he'll have a beautiful report more so than I, you know, than I could have read. And he was so excited that it was his information that he was able to share. And then, you know, one of my kids once told me, oh, it looks like the student is getting smarter than the teacher or whatever. And I said, as a teacher, I don't care where I learned from, from who I learned from, you know, that's part of learning and you never get tired of learning. And um, I, m- one of the favorite um, quotes that I have, I have quotes throughout my books, cause I like that. And one of them is from Malcolm X and where he says, education is the passport to the future for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. And I tell my kids this all the time education is so important. And like you said, there are so many different avenues of education that we have to learn to embrace. You know, um, After a while, my kids started to take dual enrolling. They could take some courses at the high school while still being homeschooled, take some courses at the college, the university at Penn State while still being homeschooled. So it was like a mixed bag and I enjoyed it. And so there was one time I was taking the kids away on a trip and the teacher said, is this educational? And I'm thinking I could make eating an apple educational, you know, from the vitamins, from the digestive system, from, you know, like everything is educational. I, I I don't understand why people feel like it only happens at a school, you know, being with family members, being, you know, and like we said, we when we talked about cancer and even that was a very Very difficult discussion to talk to my kids about, but I wanted them to understand what was happening. And of course, as they grow up, there's more you could tell them about situation when they ask a question, but you should never shy off of answering their question because they want to know.
1: Yes, because I believe that knowledge is power. And, you know, sometimes kids get sense when their parents aren't being transparent with them and open about certain things. And if you don't share that with your children from your own mouth and perspective, then don't be upset when the world and the streets share it with your children and just being first generation American, I was always the kid, I'm worth, I'm the youngest out of five, I would always challenge and ask my questions, my um, questions, but why, why this and be so inquisitive, because that was a way that I learned. And each kid learns differently, just like mm-hmm. each human being, there's various types of learners. And we also have to factor that into education. But I feel like sometimes society only wants to depict one way of education, and they think that's the golden way. When there are other ways to be educated, so whenever you had the decision of stopping your career and begin homeschooling your five children, what made you choose homeschooling versus public or private school?
2: Well, actually, my kids were in Montessori at first, which is, I think, a great educational um, di- um, preschool. But then my the uh, Montessori stopped at kindergarten, and that's when I had to take my kids out. And they started at a small Catholic school and my kids hated it. They really did. My son, my oldest was Danielle at six and my son, Michael at five. My kids were at five on the five at one time. I was telling all like, my, so they were stacked one after the other. And then of course my twins came. And so my oldest was my six year old, my five year old. they were over at um, the Catholic school and they hated it. Danielle was so ahead. Of the game and she was bored and then michael he was not used to sitting in a classroom and having like being lectured to in the montessori system he walked around he did what he wanted to do at a different time and he was used to that and then the structure he hated it so after a week of that he thought kindergarten was over i just have to go for a week and please my mom because she's so excited she's so proud that i'm studying kindergarten <laughs> And after when he told me, you know, mom, how long do I have to keep going to kindergarten? And I said, sweetheart, you know, for the end of the year. And then next year you go on. And he goes, no, I, I don't want to do this. And he had a tantrum and he never had a tantrum in his life before. So I had to deal with those. And so when I looked at some public schools in the area and I was telling them about my kids and how smart they are and, that in, and being the only black person in central Pennsylvania at that time, I don't know what it was. It was my sex or my race or both. I just felt ignored. I felt like, oh my God, here's another parent thinking that her kid is smart and you know, and I just felt like they weren't listening to me. So, and then the last straw, of course, when I said my son got injured, I said, okay, you know what, I'm taking matters into my own hand. I'm stopping school, I'm stopping my work anyway. Why don't I educate my kids? and my kids were excited about it, but when I had to hand in my papers and everything else, and I'm coming home, and I'm thinking, God, do I really want to do this? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) reality sets in, that am I going to be any good at this? And I said, of course I am. Moms forget, we are our kids' first teachers. We teach them everything. Why can't we teach them how to read? Why can't we teach them how to do math, especially when you're excited about it? Kids love teachers that are excited about teaching them, and those are your kids. How could you not be excited about them learning? And when they get it, you're on top of the world. You're so happy, you know? And just like when you they take their first step, you know, you want to scream out to the world, my kids are walking, my kids are walking. So it's the same excitement that I felt and even subjects that I was never crazy about in high school or in elementary school. But now I was teaching it to my kids. I had to be excited about it. And it wasn't fake, it was real. I remember when I did botany with my kids and we did plants and, you know, and we still, I still have my garden out there, tomatoes growing. It's just, the kids are so excited about it. You become excited about it. It's contagious. And it's also because they're your kids. No one will love your kids or care more about them than their mom, you know? And so that's what helped me help them. It was a really good vicious cycle.
1: I like that. And all your kids, I'm assuming they're adult children right now. So did, uh, when your kids got older, did you ever think about going back to practice OBGYN and, you know, put back on the white coat alongside with your husband? Could you mention your husband's an anesthesiologist?
2: Yes. Yes, I did. But my cancer sidelined me because then I had neuropathy and my fingers and toes, which I still do. Um, Even when I run, I mean, the first three miles, my body's telling me, stop, stop, my pins and needles are. But once I get past that three miles and I get into four miles, then I could just block it out. So it's really mental pain. And I couldn't go back to surgery with my fingers and Tingling all the time, and I'm per- and I'm performing surgery on people. I would never, you know, I would, I shouldn't be allowed to practice, basically. So because of that, you know, the first time it came, my cancer came twice. The first time I thought, okay, the neuropathy would wear off and I'll be better and I could go back because I always envisioned going back. And then two years later, when it came back in my lungs and I had to get more chemo, I figured, okay, I, that's when I hung up my my. um my um, board certification and I went on retirement for good.
1: Okay, that was going to be my next question because before I get asked that question, um, uh, Caroline, so I know with um, cancer and neuropathy was neuropathy a side effect of your cancer coming and then can you explain to the listeners and viewers what neuropathy is? I learned about it um, recently but not a lot of people know what neuropathy is or where it stems from because I've heard mixed reviews but I'm not a medical profession where it could be environmental factors or it could be genetics.
2: Okay well neuropathy, the, there's a lot of commercials on it now, especially diabetic neuropathy. It affects your nerves, especially your small nerves and um and so they have this commercial this this woman's running, and then the neuropathy is hurting her feet her, her feet, and then she stops uh, it's constant like i 'm talking to you now, and I have the pen and needles in my hands and in my feet it's constant, and it 's something that you you try to live with. you have no choice. In the winter months, it's worse because somehow the coldness um, um, worsened the conditions. Um, the neuropathy came from the chemo drug, the cisplatin that I was on. That's the one that caused the neuropathy, and I was on it for twelve weeks. And during when I first got diagnosed, it was a stage three, and they were having a trial where they said that we don't know if we need to give twelve dose of chemo anymore, one every other weeks. So it was a twenty-four week regiment. um, They were going to give only six weeks, but I didn't want to be the guinea pig. They told me, do I want the six week or the 12 weeks? And I said, I'll take the 12 weeks because I don't know if this is going to work and I don't want to get this cancer back. So recently I heard that they found that that 12 week is way too much. And six weeks, if it's not going to work in six weeks, it's not going to work in 12 weeks, but that's after I got my 12 weeks. And so, um, and then when Um, the cancer came back two weeks, two years later, um, I had to get more chemo, but I didn't finish the chemo at that time. I only did six weeks and it was a different chemo, but it was still had that cisplatin in it. And after six weeks, I told my husband, I can't do this anymore. And I was, I was ready to die. I really was. Um, I, I, because every, I had such bad, severe headaches and, um, and I had nosebleeds that had to be cauterized. Um, and one of the medications that I was on could could cause aneurysm where blood vessels could burst in your head and you could die instantly. And so when I was waking up with blood, you know, um, and, uh, and the severe headaches, I just knew it was a moment that I would just die. So every night or every day I kept, Thinking to myself, "Oh my God, I'm gonna die tomorrow. I'm gonna die tomorrow." And this fear, you know, my husband couldn't talk to me. My kids couldn't talk to me. It was a really darkest part of my life. And finally, I told my husband, "I can't be afraid like this. I would rather die with dignity." And so I told my husband that I'm stopping my chemo, and I told my family. And oh my God, you, (laughs) yeah anger from my, I have two brothers that are physicians and they were very angry with me. I'm quitting. I'm, I'm giving up. They thought I was stronger than that. And I said that that has nothing to do with it. I don't want the chemo drugs are killing me, you know, and I don't want to die like this. I was bald at that time. I was bald. I had lost a lot of weight. I was throwing up all the time. I didn't want to die like that. And I didn't want my kids to see me like that. You know, they were sad for me every day. And once I stopped all my chemo, my headaches went away. I started feeling better. I started participating in my kid's life again. I was like a new person. And I felt like if I have a week to live, if I have a month to live, I'm going to make the best out of those weeks or those months. And so weeks turned to, and I even went to the funeral home and I prepared my cremation and everything cuz I didn't want leaving it to my husband cuz I was ready to die. I once I made that decision, I felt relief. I really did. And like I said, days turn to weeks, weeks turn to months, months turn to years, and I said, I don't think I'm going to die. <laughs> I think I could live this out. And um but I didn't want to waste any more time being afraid. I felt I was already dead by doing that. And once I decided to live again, I really began living my best life.
1: I like that. And you know why I asked you that question? Because I knew there was some silver lining with by you opening up and sharing your story and being vulnerable and transparent, that was very educational because there may be someone who has a loved one or they may be dealing with cancer and they need to realize that your body is your temple, but your body will also let you know when something is not right. So your body educates you whenever you need to alert your mind and have that wisdom and that discernment to stop and really look at things from a holistic view, even mm-hmm. though the medical industry is saying one thing, what is your body telling you? How do you feel when you incorporate certain foods, certain drugs, and etc? Because in my opinion, I, I had another conversation with the doctor, and he was pretty much. We talked about how pharmaceutical companies is pushing the drugs onto physicians, and physicians are offloading those drugs to patients. But not every drug is going to interact and agree with each human being, and you have to come to terms and grips yourself. And there are a lot of homeopathic and naturopathic remedies, especially with us both being from Caribbean descent, that you can try to get your body back up and going, and. While you were going through this journey, you came to the terms that you had to take life back and you weren't going to let life take you back. So once you started to change your mindset and you started to deprogram and reprogram yourself that you were going to live, you weren't going to die, you started to feel good. You began to nourish your mind Mm -hmm. mentally, you stabilize yourself and you started to see how you were getting better over time and i'm sure that began to change the dynamics in your household with mm-hmm. your spouse with your husband and with your children because children don't like to see their parents suffering so mm-hmm. what was the biggest educational lesson you learned throughout that journey and did you put it in the book
2: i did and um i felt to be confident And I love that confidence because you can't teach that. And, oh, that was another thing, Marcus Garvey, and I have that in the book too. And it says, if you have no confidence in yourself, you're twice defeated in the race of life. And I love that because with confidence, it, it empowers you. It empowers you to say, you know what, I'm going to try this. And, you know, I may not succeed on the first time, but I'm not going to have people tell me what I can or cannot do. It is for me to decide. And um, so my, when I ran my first half marathon, my kids came and they, they were on the sideline, like, we're so proud of you, mom. And I'm the one that always did that for them when they ran track or they did swimming. And they, you know, they gave me the ability to be confident in myself because they were confident in me and I was confident in them. So that's the beauty, I think, of kind of being vulnerable, kind of being honest with your kids and kind of sharing things together. And the thing of confidence, when your kids go out there on the debate floor and you see them and you're thinking, my God, what a confident kid I raised. And because they're so confident you become confident in your ability to educate them I don't know if you get that but I love that word confidence because it's something that if you don't have that this world will tear you apart especially black kids if we don't have that if we don't instill that confidence in our black kids the world is ready to tear them apart
1: I love that. And I can't stress having confidence enough. Because when you have confidence, and you are an African American woman, you know who you are, as well as whose you are, and you walk into that room. Yes, you hear you still hear the stereotypes and the microaggressions, they say, Oh, you're angry, or you're aggressive, or they call you the B word, I my profession was 12 years in oil and gas and energy and 15 years in corporate America and when you look like me and the rest of your colleagues are non-melanated older Caucasian males, mm-hmm. they expect you to have a seat at the table and be quiet. They don't necessarily want you to speak up and that's why I was like, you want to talk about D, E, and I, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and now there's a B which is belonging and another E for equality, but are Are you really living what you're preaching and if you're really about that then I don't just need to be seen but I need to be heard and I need to know that I matter and with me being a millennial my job is to educate my peers because I worked hard enough to get to where I am and I didn't do anything strange for a piece of change and I also need to build the legacy because there is another black or brown individual that is vying to either work for a fortune 500 oil and gas a tech company biotech or whatever and i want them to see that it is possible because no matter where you were born and no matter where you were raised those do not limit you but when you have confidence that you spoke about dr carlene it takes you a lot further because You know who you are, and you're not going to fall victim to what the world, what your family members, what your friends are saying about you, because you have enough confidence in yourself to know that you are a fighter, that you are going to be persistent, you're brave, you're courageous. And don't tell me the sky's the limit when there's footprints on the moon.
2: Oh, beautiful. I love that. (laughs) Good for you.
1: And I just, I hear that in your story from. You taking a step back from your career because it was the best thing for you to do, not for your family, you homeschooling your five children because they needed to know that mommy was here, and you also validated that Joey's feelings was real, that he didn't like school, he didn't like the traditional school. And what better way to teach him than have you teach him and the rest of your other four children? And then you realized that your health was important. So when your body wasn't feeling good and neuropathy kicked in, you said, you know what, I'm going to stop the chemo. But you did everything that was best for you, your family, and your terms of living. And here you are now, an author, a mother, a retired physician, and you're also a life partner and spouse to your husband, who's also wears the white coat and helps people day in and day out. So when you think about the whole idea of education, what type of gems would you like to leave the listeners and viewers with? And remember, the core pillars of this podcast is to educate, inspire, and motivate because we all have gems to share on a daily basis.
2: I love that. Uh, I want to add one more thing to my bio. I recently been elected school board member and I'm the first Black person on the school board. So I'm looking at education now on the other aspect, but I believe that in inspiring, not only do I want to continue helping kids, especially Black kids, because we need all the help we could get, but I also wanna be a role model to them. I want to inspire them and I want them to know how education is important to me and it should be to them also. So that's my lasting thing on the school board. And I hope, and another thing too, I hope that they don't take me for granted because they are. I'm not gonna be just sitting at the table to listen. I will make my voice heard. And I don't think they expect that, but they will see. So that's what I I wish, I hope that I could inspire some of our Black students, most of our Black students, especially our Black girls.
1: And that is amazing because they need to know that their voice matters and their voice is the voice to the voiceless. They were created on purpose for a purpose and they don't need to live in the shadows of other people or be a carbon copy. You were uniquely made You are a masterpiece and you matter no matter where your family came from, no matter what area you were raised in, and no matter what people say about you, because your haters and critics, those are your biggest motivators. So take what they say (laughs) and- Build upon that, build that bridge. And remember, sometimes the same people that talk about you are going to be the same ones who you're paying them because they were so busy living in their insecurities and projecting it onto you that they fail to realize the gems and the qualities that they have. And if they were just open-minded to looking for ways to collaborate and compliment you versus tearing you down, they could achieve the level of success that you have. And it's no discount disrespect or discredit to that individual it's just we all have the ability to make our life what we want it to be but it starts with our mindset it starts with us being confident it starts with us asking the right questions and saying no to foolishness and kicking that mess to the side because we're trying to get a message across so doctor, that is beautiful i
2: love that that was so beautiful
1: Thank you, Dr. Caroline. Uh, and I want you, Dr. Carlene, to really leave us with one or two gems and then your personal call to action for the listeners and viewers.
2: Wow. Well, I thought I did. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I left the inspirational gems um, about education um, prior. Um, There's one
1: more in you. I feel it. <laughs> Give us a a quote from your book, another quote, maybe a personal quote from you that really helped you on your writing journey.
2: Well, one thing that I love to say now, and I think I mentioned it, is my thing that live your best life. Don't be afraid to live your best life. And somebody asked me, so what's next for you? And I said, it hasn't opened up yet, but I'm going to take that challenge because I intend to live my best life.
1: And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and we just had the pleasure of hearing all things educational with Dr. Carleen Crevacore. Make sure you connect with her. All of her contact information will be in the show notes, and we hope this message really sparks an interest in you to educate yourself on anything that interests you because knowledge is power and the world needs you to show up and be your full authentic self and do life and live life on your terms so your dreams don't end up in the graveyard because you were too afraid to live them out on earth. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Go out and have yourself an amazing day and believe in yourself. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the day.
0: Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. to be here on GEMS Podcast.